And welcome, one and all, to the Comic Multiverse, where the worlds of nerd meet. As always, I'm your host, Joel, and joining me for this 60th episode, Matt, can you believe it? It's Matt. 60 episodes, Jesus. Yeah, we've been at it this long, man. We will, we will, we are so bad about planning things into the future, we will have to actually try and do something special for 100. It always seems like we do the same thing. It's like, man, we're hitting a milestone soon. Wow, we're hitting a milestone soon. We should do something. Yeah, we should really do something. Oh, God, it's today. Yeah, there's always something keeping us away. This week, it's E3. Yes, yes, we're all we're all about the E3. It's Sundays we're recording this. We watched Microsoft earlier. Uh, EA was yesterday. Mm-hmm. What, mm-hmm. Uh, what have you seen so far that you liked? Um, I like that, uh, and people have pointed it out to me that we, me and you should play it, that um, EA game where you're like two prisoners. Yes, oh my god, that was perfectly made for us, wasn't it? I know, it, it sounds like a really good game, it looks really good as well, and it's be- the best thing about it is it's original. Yes, and it's made by the two brothers guys. Mm-hmm, yep. Of course, you know, knowing knowing my luck and, you know, knowing my personality, Matt will be like, Joel, we gotta break out quick, strangle the guards with the bed sheets. And I'll just be like, nah, <laughs> nah, I just kind of want to sit here and, you know, like, pay my debt to society. <laughs> I just want to work out. <laughs> yeah, really. I want to get stupid swole and get drunk off prison wine. <laughs> Man, I've been watching so much Orange is the New Black to prepare for prison. Little did I know there's very little lesbian sex that happens in a man's prison. <laughs> <laughs> it's more like Oz. Yeah, way more like Oz. O- o- also, where Oz was a drama, Orange is the New Black was a comedy. <laughs> this is a big <laughs> difference. Uh, now here, because we are at 60 episodes, I wanted to take a moment to actually thank all the patrons we got for this month. Yep. So, thank you to Bill, thank you to Billy. Yeah, that's right, we got a Bill and a Billy all oh, in the wow. same month. We, we're collecting. We're collecting them. We're collecting them all, man. Uh, thank you to Steve. And oh god, I, I had the whole page up. Of course, I lost it as soon as I wanted it. I, I, I can always find it when I don't need it. But I figure, you know, it's it's been a while since we've actually thanked. Uh, what is it? Thanked uh, the patrons who you know help us keep this show going and everything. Yeah. And, oh, I, I found one stat. Apparently, we've collected over a grand since the Patreon has started. Nice. Yeah, not bad at all. Again, you know. It's all thanks to people like you that we get to keep this uh, this leaky, leaky podcast ship afloat, I tell ya. <laughs> also, too, uh, for people interested in merchandise, uh, we heard you asking for it, and Matt and I finally started up an official tea Public thing. Yeah, we got a couple of shirts in there. We actually have, like, I think we've got, like, five, don't we? Yeah, we, we have more than that. We have seven, because I added your Fortress oh, wow. of Solitude, and I added Mopey's Joel Was Right. Nice. Yes, okay, here, I have the rest of the patrons for May. Thank you to Plaincrafter, and thank you to Andrew. Nice. You uh, you, got, you guys doing real good. We, we appreciate it. And with that, I suppose we can hop on into the news from this week. And there was a fair amount of odds and ends. There was nothing mind-blowing until, until last night, when we got the big teaser for Black Panther. Yes, this kind of came out of nowhere. Everyone was kind of surprised by it. it. It was blowing people's minds. I don't think people really envisioned what a Black Panther movie would look like. I don't think they imagined it would look like this, and I think people were pretty damn surprised. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It looks completely different from anything Marvel has done, and more in line with like what they're doing with uh, like Thor Ragnarok and everything. Yeah, yeah, they're definitely playing with the genre, and they're definitely, you know, doing their own thing. I like we get to see more Andy Serkis as Ulysses S. Claw quite early on. He's the guy basically doing all the talking. 
Yeah, him and him and Bilbo get another scene together. They get another scene together. How fun is that? Yeah. It's it's good, good stuff. And, you know, they even kind of changed the idea of what we knew about Wakanda because it's like in Civil War, Wakanda was part of the UN. In this, they're like, oh, no, 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 no. People believe it's like El Dorado, man. They actually keep a lot of their super cool high tech shit secret. I, I like that that they're sort of masquerading as like a third world country, mm-hmm. whereas whereas below in 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 the midst of of that waterfall, there's this like hyper, like futuristic city, just flying flying cars and buildings and everything. Yeah, did you ever think uh, what is it that they would make uh, flying car <laughs> city look as cool as it is? No, it looks really cool. Yeah, it's uh, it's really happening. Of course, we got to see a bunch of cool actors up in there and everything. We mentioned Bilbo. We mentioned, uh, what is it? Uh, help me out, Matt. I'm freaking spinning my wheels here. Help me out. Uh, Andy Circus. Yes, Andy Circus. We got to see him again. Uh, we got to see some new characters. Uh, what is it? Uh, freaking uh, guy doing his best Prince impression. He's got the curl over and everything. Yeah, Michael uh, B. Jordan as Eric Killmonger. Yeah, man, man, he's looking good, isn't he? That's a good. Yeah, look he, for he's him. he bounced back from that Fantastic Four film. He's so happy. That's his happy face. That's his. I'm in a good franchise now. <laughs> I'm in a good franchise, and you can't hold me down. Uh, s- some great like uh, kind of lines there in the trailer where it's like, you know, you're you're a good man, T'Challa, which means it'll be hard for you to be a good king. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, you figure they do that so well, where it's like, yeah, you know, it's more than just fighting crime for him. It's being a diplomat and being a king and being a leader and being all this other stuff. Man, it's hard to believe they haven't been able to tap any of that for Aquaman, huh? Yeah, yeah. It, this, this, The stuff that I was saying in this trailer kind of also fits with Aquaman, and we kind of haven't seen any of that. Nope. Forrest Whitaker is going to be in the movie. Got, yep. got, got a lot of great actors in this one and actresses. Can't wait for this. Yeah, they've got. The, I saw like that someone posts like a picture with all like the actors' faces and who they are and everything, and it's got some amazing actors in it. Uh, I have it on good authority too. Quite a few of the people that show up in this one will actually be important for Infinity War later. It sounds like it. I, I imagine that that this movie will have an Infinity Gem in it or oh, something. Oh, what, uh, what? Like gem- Wakanda, Wakanda will have one. What? Uh, what gems are left? Um. So we've got the Soul Stone, we've got the the one in Eye, Eye of Agamotto, the, I guess the Time Gem. Right. Um, we've got seen the Power Power Stone. Uh, what was what was the one? We've seen the Mind Stone. Right, right. That's the one that's in Vision, right? Uh, yeah, I think so. You see that that or the Soul Stone. Um, Let's look it up. Infinity Gems. Which ones have we not seen yet? It's hard to tell because, like, every now and then they kind of change the colors of them in the comics and everything, and they're different in the movie and everything. Yeah, that's right. They keep changing them around. Makes it hard to follow sometimes. Here, we'll we'll get a whole list of Infinity Stones out so we'll know exactly what's what. I think... I think we've had the space. Have we had the space, Jim? Yeah, that was the one in Guardians, wasn't it? No, the one in Guardians was the. Um, oh, it might have been. I don't know. I thought I just thought that one was the power, power stone. Uh, according to the official Marvel movie wiki, 
The Space Jam was the Tesseract, apparently. Okay, yeah, yeah, I know it was one of them. Okay, the Mind Stone was... which one? You know, you think we would know this shit, right? I think the Mind Stone... Oh, it's, it, again, it's hard to tell. Um, I think the Mind Stone was the one in, in Vision's head that was in the Scepter. Right, okay, then we had Reality, which was the one in Thor The Dark World, and again in Age of Ultron... Then Power, which was Guardians of the Galaxy, and in Thor's Vision yeah. in Age of Ultron, and then Time, which was Doctor Strange, and uh, yeah, Soul, which apparently was also appearing in like a hologram sequence in Guardians of the Galaxy when yeah. we saw all those other ones. So there's a couple unaccounted for. So yeah, Soul is still unaccounted for. Yeah, so it could it could be in there. I don't know what other movie it could be in, unless they just introduce it in Infinity War. I wonder, you think they'll do the soul thing where it's like, oh, well, obviously the soul stone imbues T'Challa with the soul of the panther god or something like that. Maybe. I, I don't know. I, I'd kicked around the theory, too. Maybe we could see soul in Thor Ragnarok. Yeah, we could definitely see it in that. Because this would be my way to do it. Be like, oh, the reason the Hulk is attacking Thor and he's acting so weird is because they've used the Soul Stone to, you know, take uh, Banner's soul out of the Hulk so it's nothing but an angry monster. That'd be cool, but that also might be a little bit similar to him being affected by the Mind Stone in Avengers. Oh, shit, yeah, I didn't think about that, huh? Unless they, split yeah, they, they, they could do it because that, that sounds like a really cool idea. Like they, they actually split them. How the Hulk is a different person from Banner. Yeah, that way we could actually see more Mark Ruffalo just being Mark Ruffalo, but also see the Hulk being the Hulk at the same time. Yeah, yeah. That would be interesting. So that's my pitch for them. But yeah, Black Panther teaser looks amazing. I, if I wasn't already excited for this movie, and of course I was already excited for it, I'm mega excited for it now. Yeah, it looks amazing. Great soundtrack, too. Yeah, Run the Jewels. Yeah, Run the Jewels, where it's like, yep, okay, that's good, that's good, that's real good. I like <laughs> everything about this. And uh, from one Marvel news story in the movies to a Marvel news story in the comic, some rather disappointing news coming out of Secret Empire. Apparently, issue number six will be increased in price, but you get eight more pages. Yeah, and it's going to be delayed, which and is something I'm pretty sure I called ages ago. You did, and that's just the trifecta of bullshit. Really late, more expensive, but longer. Yeah, I think I've like I've like won bingo or something on like one of those bingo cards for like a Marvel event. Like, mm -hmm. oh yep, got got the the delay. Oh yep, they're putting the price up. Oh, more pages. Oh, bingo. What they do I win? Were, they were doing so well, and I'm like, nope. This is going to be the one. This is going to be the one that's going to you know uh, show us wrong about the crappiness of Marvel editorial. It's not going to do all the things they did wrong with Civil War too. No extra issues, delays, increase in prices. God damn it. Yeah, that, I could kind of see it coming. It, it started off good. It started, They got those cu first couple of issues out, and then it just started, like, it got to a point where I'm thinking this is where they're going to start to start changing it because I reckon it has nothing to do with Nick Spencer. No. I think it's probably Marvel seeing, like, oh, well, everyone fucking loves this series. We're going to add all these new stuff into this book, and Nick Spencer's going to do it in, like, a week. It's, it's, it's Marvel editorial as it stands right now. It's their mm -hmm. weird marketing strategy. It's their, no, 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 we need to wring as much money out of this as possible. 
Yeah, they're starting to do it as well with the the tie-ins as well because I don't know whether you saw the other week there, but Doctor Strange issue twenty-one came out before issue twenty. I did see that. In fact, uh, Tiff, who co-hosts the poll with me, she's a huge Doctor Strange fan, and that was an extra fucked up thing too because the tie-in issue that they rushed out was mm-hmm. the first Dennis Hopeless issue, the guy who's taken yeah. over over Jason yep. Aaron. So the first like like scene of the new writer is a tie-in and they preempted Aaron's finale. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I kind of I haven't been reading it, but I've been kind of up to date on what's been going on in that and I was wondering if it was gonna spoil anything from his run. Mm. And I guess it, it kinda did, but also like why did they do that? Because the, the tie-in actually had no real precedence in Secret Empire anyway. It was no. just a look inside what was going on in Manhattan. That's about yeah. it. It's it's really stupid, isn't it? Yeah. It was really, really... Yeah, there was no reason they needed to do that. It's not like it had some big information that had to yeah. be known then. And from what I understand, too, and from what Tiff told me, Doctor Strange wasn't even a major focal point of that issue. It was everyone else under the dome, like Daredevil and Luke Cage and stuff. Yeah, it wasn't an actual Doctor Strange book. It was like Doctor Strange and everyone else in Manhattan. Doctor Strange and everyone else will be a Defender, but Doctor Strange, even though he was on the original (laughs) Defenders, wrap your head around that. Actually, we'll talk about it when we get to it, but Daredevil this week was basically a prelude to the new Defenders. Oh, really? Yeah, Luke Cage and Echo and a bunch of other characters actually show up in his book. Okay. I mean, it was good, but it is what it was. So yeah, that Secret Empire, disappointing. Stop fucking up a good thing, Marvel. All you had to do was finish this story and finish it on time. Yeah, it wasn't that hard. Nick Spencer was only writing this and the actual Captain America tie-in to it. You know, you didn't need to do this. Well, actually, both Captain America tie-ins because he had Sam and yeah. Steve. Yeah, well, I imagine he's probably got it all sorted out in ahead of time. You would hope so. So yeah, that... That really sucks, and that doesn't fill me with hope for this whole Generations legacy thing where it's like, well, if you're Mm -hmm. still messing this up now and nothing is changing. Well, doesn't this push Secret Empire into when Generations start? Because wasn't Generation meant to start like the week after Secret Empire? Yeah, exactly. It's going to be very close now. Yeah, so again, overlapping of events. DC had this with the end of New 52. They sure did. And it sucked. <laughs> they sure, sure did. So from unfortunate news to straight up sad news, sorry to bring everyone down here, but the comic book nerd community was rocked yesterday with the passing of Adam West, the original TV Batman at the age of 88. Yeah, well, at least he got to 88. He did, you know, he he beat the Reaper and he was spry as a motherfucker Right up mm, yeah. until he died. He was at a con the week before his death, signing autographs, doing Adam West stuff. Damn. Yeah, dude Dude went out like a boss is what he did. He had been Apparently he had been battling leukemia for a long time and nobody knew. Oh, he just never bothered to tell anyone. I don't want to bother anyone. Batman doesn't die from leukemia, chum. <laughs> Batman's going to kick this disease's ass, I'll show you. Maybe he was afraid it was going to get away in the way of, like, the mountains of pussy he still gets. <laughs> I'm, sh- I'm sure, yeah, I know, right? It's like, that won't stop me. Nothing will stop. <laughs> you know, apparently there's a great story that him, Burt Ward, and a couple of the other actors from the original Batman show got kicked out of, like, a big Hollywood orgy party because they refused to drop character while they were there. <laughs> 
That would have been amazing to see. Truly. I think Frank Gorshin, it was Frank Gorshin was the other one, so he was riddling it up. But yeah, fucking legendary. <laughs> no good chum, I refuse to leave this orgy if I can't be Batman. <laughs> Uh, but yes, he leaves behind him an amazing legacy of work. Of course, all the episodes of the original series, his work on Family Guy and a bunch of other cartoons. Uh, heck, they had that whole Return to the Cape Crusader animated movie, which was literally just a love letter to the Adam West era. Yeah, yeah, he's he's done a, a lot of stuff for Batman. He was the Grey Ghost in the yes. animated series. Amazing and... episode. I, I, I went back and I rewatched it that night. Yeah, it's a great episode. It's an amazing episode, and it's tragic, too, because, like, it chronicled, like, his actual life after the end of Batman, because he plays an actor in the show mm -hmm. who was yeah. in the serials, but then that ended, and he was out of work, and he got typecast, and, you know, he basically had to sell all his merchandise to make the rent. Yep. But then Batman helps him out, and then, yeah, he ends up getting a comeback, and that's really sweet. Also, if you're interested in Adam West, check out, uh, they did a really good Netflix documentary called Starring Adam West that was literally about his entire life. Yep, it was really good. It was really great. If you've never seen it before, check it out. You will, you will come to respect the man in a new light. Uh, what's another great thing he did? Oh, uh, Batman Brave and the Bold, which I didn't watch much of, mm -hmm. but the episode Chill in the Night, he played Thomas Wayne. Yeah, 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 he was really good in that. Quite fitting for him to play the father of Batman. I like that quite a bit. Yeah, and and fitting in a show that was basically a animated 60s cartoon of it. Yep, yep, he was totally perfect for that. So, yeah, much love to the West family, much love to Adam West. You know, if they made a nerdy Mount Rushmore, chances are he'd probably be on it. Yep, totally. It's, it's tragic, too, because it's like, well, you know, this was my dad's Batman, you know, who passed away. Mm -hmm. it, it, it made me start thinking about, like, what a sad day is it going to be, like, if Stan Lee passes away. Oh god, don't say that. I know, right? They if that happened, they would need to make that day like like a nerd holiday. Like that would need to be a thing to forever enshrine him. Yeah, and it probably will be. As sad as it is, hey, let this be a reminder everyone, tell the people you love that you love them while well, you get the chance. I think someone said no, no one ever gets to smell the flowers while they can. Mhm. Mm Actually, I think that was fucking Kanye West who said that, if you can believe it. <laughs> I think I read that on one of those crack lists of, like, surprisingly profound quotes from the last people you would expect. <laughs> and he was one of them. I'm like, Jesus, Kanye, I guess if you take a hundred shots, one of them's got to hit. <laughs> but yeah, so that's the Adam West news. And uh, moving on from here to something we don't talk much about on the show, but I thought Matt and I could get a good uh, dialogue going for this. Apparently, they're moving ahead with a live-action Cowboy Bebop adaptation. No. Yeah, I agree. No, no, that's a bad Hollywood. No, don't do that. No. Yeah, usually I'm okay with stuff like this. I, I'll see what it's like, but no, not this. Also, it's like, did that Ghost in the Shell movie make enough money to justify this or something? It actually made quite a bit of money, I think. Shocking, huh? Well, it made, it made more than Power Rangers, I know that. Well, there you go. I mean, I, I don't know if that's something you want to put on the box or something, but there you go. <laughs> Hey, that, that, that Ghost in the Shell movie, I really liked. Did you? Yeah, I thought it was really good. Interesting. Okay, fair enough. I mean, it's like there's already a Cowboy Bebop movie, and it's great. Bob Dylan is the bad guy. <laughs> like, like, literally, go check out that movie. 
Bob Dylan is the bad guy and the movie is even called Knocking on Heaven's Door if you couldn't get it. <laughs> See, that's the real problem with that. They wouldn't be able to, if they were to do it, they would need to lean into the fact that music is a big part of Cowboy Bebop and they would need to totally Guardians of the Galaxy it and get like a bunch of American songs. Mm-hmm. Or fucking even get the original uh, lady who did all the music for the show, y- Yoko Kamino or something. They need to get her to do the movie. That's the only way I would ever be on board. Yeah. Also, I really, I really am afraid for when they start casting actors and Zac Efron is Spike Spiegel. No, no. <laughs> the irony being Zac Efron actually ain't so bad these days, but I would still hate to see it. No, he's not right for for Spike. And Danny DeVito as Jet Black. <laughs> Just old ass Danny DeVito in a pink like shirt and a robot arm. <laughs> Think about that, everybody. <laughs> Think long and hard about it. Why don't you? But yes, yeah, so, geez, look forward to us talking about that in a couple of years if that one ever gets off the ground. Yeah, and that's big if. Yeah, there there was talk. Remember, there was supposed to be like a Keanu Reeves version of it. Like apparently he was involved with a, a movie adaptation of it, but it fell into development hell, and then nothing ever happened from it. Yeah, that was probably for the best. Probably, and then he went to be John Wick, and everyone was happy. Yeah, maybe this one will fall apart, and the actors will go do something, and everyone can be happy. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, uh, speaking of things that might make you happy or might make you sad, depending, uh, we saw some clips just recently from that new Spider-Man animated series. Apparently, they got coming down the pipeline. Yeah, I, I don't really know what to think. I know a lot of people are mad about it because I, I don't watch any of these animated Marvel shows because usually they are pretty terrible. Well, because usually, I mean, like, we're totally not the audience. It's usually aimed at no. very, very young kids. Yeah, they're sort of like the Teen Titan Go of yeah. Marvel. Yeah, like this this new show, ironically called Marvel's Spider-Man, which I thought was funny. Like, they're really, really trying to stress, no, guys, Marvel is involved in this, we promise. <laughs> this this isn't our shit. They, they really try to stress Disney's involvement, and they also really try to stress, like, look, we're not doing, like, the ultimate Spider-Man thing anymore. We're not doing, like, the family guy cutaway gags. We're not doing, like, straight comedy anymore. We're actually trying to do a somewhat serious drama. Mm-hmm. That's fine, but then you look at the animation, it looks mm. cheap and unfinished. Yeah, it's that weird sort of 2D sort of animation where it's kind of 3D, but not really. It's like... 2.5D or whatever the fuck they call it. Yeah, like they're trying to trick us or something, and I'm like, this this doesn't look good. This doesn't look like you spent a lot of money on this, and that's unfortunate because I loved Marvel cartoons growing up, and I wish I could still love Marvel cartoons. Yep. yep. You, know, you know what's actually a Marvel cartoon that's actually not too bad right now? Have you had a chance to see any of those Ant-Man shorts they've done? I haven't, no, because they're not available in my country yet. <laughs> I, I, I so I'll, I'll probably just throw a VPN on and watch I, them one day. I, I, I'm not saying that I did that, Matt, but I may have worked some manner of shenanigans <laughs> to see them because apparently Disney Corporation hates our two countries. Well, that's what I don't understand. It's on YouTube for free and you're not paying for it, and why should they be blocked in every country? You fucking got me. But they're cool. They're short, which is ironic because it's Ant-Man. I mean, everything Ant-Man does is short. Yeah, I, I saw like some of the some stills from it. A really cool art direction they got Absolutely. for it. Absolutely. That's what sells it. It has an art style, and the art style matches the character. It's all like this very yeah. neon pastel neo-60s stuff they're doing. 
Yeah, art deco-y sort of thing. It really fits with Ant-Man. Mm-hmm. And it's Scott Lang, and you got the Wasp there, and you got a lot of other stuff. They're cool. I wish they would do more stuff like that. Yeah. Like, imagine a Spider-Man show with a unique art style and a unique direction. That would be mind-blowing. It would be <laughs> mind-blowing, man, wouldn't it? To think the last Marvel cartoon I really liked was Spectacular Spider-Man, and that was so long ago now. Yeah, I liked Avengers Earth Mightiest Heroes. Oh, yeah, that was good, too. But that one was also sadly taken from us too soon. Yep. Lost lost too soon. But, hey, you know what? From some slightly sad news to some news that I think Matt might like, uh, they cast Rain as the third season bad guy for Supergirl, and apparently they're going to be adapting the world killer storyline. Yeah, Rain. That, that's going to be an interesting bad guy since she apparently doesn't really have anything in the way of like a, a proper origin or anything like that since she's a new character she's a new 52 character mm. but um she's kind of i think she's kind of similar to like how doomsday back in the day was kind of like a biological thing created right and and sort of like a, a weapon created she's kind of like that she was made in on krypton by i think the science council or something but um it's going to be interesting to see what they do because apparently there's four of them oh. they're sort of like four horsemen of the apocalypse sort of thing Damn. but for but for krypton and they were created by zor-el hmm. so you got that tie with supergirl but it's going to be interesting to see what they do with her hmm i'll be yeah and then there's a lot of room to add more um backstory to her since she she only appeared for like a couple of issues yeah that's that's kind of the cool thing about adapting characters like that with not a lot of backstory means they also don't have a lot of baggage means you can pretty much do whatever you want no one can call you wrong yeah yeah exactly you're not going to have those those people coming in this is wrong this is not like those comics and by those people you mean us right matt yes us (laughs) people like us not to bury the issue or bury the lead we mean people like us who would piss the phone about it but yeah so that's cool nice to see supergirl doing well nice to see some movement from it uh in a rather unexpected piece of news and this also continues to be tv related stuff here sin city is apparently being adapted for television and it's one of the one of the former Walking Dead showrunners to do it. I don't know which Walking Dead for uh, showrunner. There's been like fucking a dozen of them at this point. And they all keep getting fired. Oh, well, we know it won't be Frank Darabont. No, I'm pretty sure if Frank Darabont was doing this, we would all have heard about it. Yeah, I, I think it could fit for for TV. I think Sin City is something that might be able to fit in for TV. But then again, like, why are they doing that? It really depends what network it's on. Honestly, given the long-form pulp storytelling that is Sin City, probably should have gone to TV first before it ever became a movie. But now you have the problem that, well, there was a movie version of it, and they put a lot of money into it, and they did all the best stories. Do you now expect me to watch them do like those stories again like yellow bastard and the hard goodbye and everything again but on a considerably cheaper tv budget because if so that doesn't exactly sound like a win for me mm-hmm. yeah exactly like why are we going to watch it when we can just go put in the dvd of the movie yeah also did you not see uh what is it that second one they did a, a dame to kill for did you not see <laughs> when they tried to go back to the sin city well again no no one saw that joel I'm pretty sure I was the only one, and I saw it in 3D, and there was, like, two other people in the theater, so you might be right, Matt. 
<laughs> that movie is so fucking weird a dame to kill for because it's literally like the cinematic equivalent of DLC. Like, hey, here's a couple more things people really wanted to see from us. <laughs> only it only none of it really mattered because like a bunch of the stories were prequels to ones that we saw in the first movie. So we there was no drama to it because you knew who was going to survive and who wasn't going to survive. Yeah, it felt like one of those things like, oh, people love Bruce Willis's character and just Scalba's character, so we're going to bring them all back. Yeah, exactly, even though they had no reason to. And that one, yeah. the weirdest one, the last one, because that was Frank Miller being like, I'm going to write a new story. I'm going to write a sequel to this that I never wrote a sequel for because it was done. <laughs> and everyone's going to love it. Sounds like something else he done recently. <laughs> yeah, 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 sounds exactly like something he did recently. Hey, here's a story that was done and over with, but I'm going to dig it up. Because <laughs> I'm Frank Miller, and that's what I can do. Although, here's the thing. Unlike Dark Knight, which uh, uh, Matt is talking about right here, Dark Knight 3, I could tell that Sin City thing was written by Frank Miller and not Brian Azzarello. <laughs> <laughs> I could tell they just didn't slap his name on it. It had all his weirdness tropes. <laughs> also, that's kind of sad, too, as I stop and think about it, because that was one of Power Booth's last movie. Oh. Man, a, lo a lot of death. It always comes in three, right? First it was Powers Booth, then it was Roger Moore, and now it was Adam West. Yep. Yep. Geez, either we're all getting really old, or God is building one hell of an expendable Secret Wars team up in heaven <laughs> right now. <laughs> Look, I need a James Bond... But I want my favorite James Bond. I need Roger Moore. I need Batman, but I want my favorite Batman, Adam West. And I also need a cool cowboy and a million other roles. Ah, Powers Booth. <laughs> and together they're fighting the forces of Lemmy, Prince, and uh, David Bowie. <laughs> and that's the fight happening in the cosmos now. And Thanos is there, and Kurt Cobain, and Elvis, and Tupac, and everybody. Yeah, and it, it's David Bowie from the Venture Brothers. Oh, God, who was the Sovereign, but who wasn't really the Sovereign, as we found out. Man, Venture Brothers is cool. <laughs> Man, when's that show coming back for a new season, Venture Brothers, between now and death? Yeah, yeah. That usually seems to be their schedule. Same for the new Kingdom Hearts game, where they're like, Joel, did you see that new trailer? Wasn't it amazing? Yeah, I feel like I might get to play it one day before I have kids and a mortgage <laughs> and a prostate that I need to get looked at. <laughs> I, I, I would love it if like Square Enix has just been fucking with people this whole time and like Tetsu Nomura hasn't done anything. He's just been making finger puppets this whole time. <laughs> look, look, make another fake trailer and put it out there. It's not done yet. It's not even close to done. <laughs> and again, too, it's like the longer it takes for it to come out, the longer I stop and think, man, the story in Kingdom Hearts is insane, isn't it? <laughs> but I need to know how it ends, if this is even the end. Because <laughs> that's the thing, like, 3 could come out and be like, okay, cool, thanks, everyone, be sure to come back for the next game. Yep. Which will be even crazier. <laughs> but yeah, that was the news for this week, everybody. We hope you enjoyed that. And with it, we can then hop on over and talk about uh, what we read this week, Matt. We haven't had a good Back to Basics episode like this in a bit where we just talked about what we read. No, we we've gone, like almost three weeks without actually talking about comics crazy right it's it, it's, yeah. all, it's all these damn movies that have taken over the theaters that we need to talk <laughs> about that's what's done it <laughs> so uh, how about you go first matt uh okay then um i had injustice 2 issue 8 and 9 oh yes how's the injustice been going 
Uh, these two issues are a definite pickup from the last couple of issues, which were all Harley Quinn centric and trying to explain why she has to go with the Suicide Squad again. Mm-hmm. Um, but these, this issue, issue eight, was about Damian Wayne Interesting. and his trial as Robin, where he had to he got dropped off on the other side of Gotham and he has to make it back to the Batcave in three hours. Oh shit! It's like the Warriors, but with Robin. Yeah, and uh, of course he thinks he's going to be able to do it because he's a cocky motherfucker. Sure is. And um, all along the way, he has stuff like helping old ladies and stopping <laughs> muggings and every all of that sort of stuff. And he gets back, and and Bruce says he's really impressed since it took him three days to get back, <laughs> whereas it took Robin like ten hours. <laughs> so, so he's really impressed with that. And the story is framed by um, Batman meeting Connor Hawk. Oh no! Nice. And, and sort of talking about him, and he he sort of sees Connor as sort of Damien, as as like Oliver's Damien, and right. he doesn't want Connor to turn out like his Damien. So he, it's kind of left ambiguous, but it looks like he like puts a tracker in him, <laughs> like like he's like he's like hold still, kid, and just like shoots him with like this tracker gun sort of thing. Um, so that's going to be interesting when Oliver finds that about that. I'm going to be a good um, dad, damn it. No matter what, I'm going to be a good dad. <laughs> uh, issue nine was about Ted Cord and Blue Beetle. Cool. And we see what he's been up to during this Injustice universe. And he's been training Jaime Reyes and everything. And Batman comes to him and says, we need Ted Cord. We need his money to rebuild the, the world and everything. Um, but the interesting thing is uh, Booster Gold shows up. Nice. And... And he's been sort of traveling through the future and whatnot, so he knows what's coming uh, in terms of, like, Brainiac and the world going to shit and everything. So he prepares Ted for what's going to happen to him. We don't know what exactly is going to happen to him, but we know he gets kidnapped by, uh, who's it, Deadshot, Robin, Katana. Katana cuts off his hand. Damn. And, um, yeah, they kidnap him for some reason. We're not really sure what. Butt stuff, probably. Yeah, and it's funny because Ted Cord, he's been out of the costume for a while, so he's kind of like that. He's kind of got like a dad body going. Dad. So when he so he gets in the costume and he's got like a beer gut and whatnot, and he tries to fight Katana and everything, and he can't really do anything. <laughs> it's pretty funny. Just not having it. No. <laughs> I guess from one Batman story to another, I had uh, Batman number 24 this week. The big issue that everyone was telling us to get excited about and the issue that all the comic book sites went out of their way to spoil because, of course, they did. Yes, of course. It's it's funny, you know, obviously, of course, I'm sure by now people listening to this on Wednesday will know the big twist of this was Batman proposed to Catwoman. But what made me laugh is that I'm sure you saw the same thing, Matt. Like, people were talking about it on social media, on the websites, and all the headlines read, big spoiler, Batman proposes to parentheses, spoiler. And in the back of my head, all I could think is like, whoa, Batman shouldn't be proposing to spoiler, she's way too young. Yeah, bad Batman. No touch. No, no. Man, man, and she was angry at him, too. What the fuck did Bruce do to not only get her back on his side, but then propose marriage on top of it? I'm going to guess the legal age of marriage in Gotham isn't that low. What part of the South did they have to go to to work that out? What kind of weird shotgun marriage happened there? But outside that, you know, obviously, of course, it all leads up to the big marriage. But beyond that, it's kind of like another Tom King character study on Batman. What did you think of it, Matt? I thought it was okay. I like that uh, we got Gotham Girl back and she's sort of like throwing all these questions to Bruce that 
Bruce kind of actually has to think about. Mm-hmm. Like that, the big one, obviously, being like, like, what's stopping you from being happy? Yeah. Like, yeah. why aren't why what what's why can't you allow yourself to have some little bit of happiness? Yeah. Like, if this is your cross to bear and everything, do you ever allow any joy? It's funny, too, because mm-hmm. as she asks Batman these questions, he's in full costume, but he's out in the daylight, which I thought was interesting. Yeah, that was actually really interesting. It's, it's really weird to see Batman in the daylight. He's not nearly as intimidating, and the art, which was actually different from the proposal Catwoman thing, I think they went out of their way to make him look kind of weird and kind of emaciated and look kind of like a maniac in a costume. Again, it also brings him, it's, he's out of his comfort zone, and that sort of goes with the questions Gotham Girl was asking him and everything. Oh, 100%. What was the other thing she said that I liked? Oh, the thing about Gotham Girl is she's questioning whether or not she should become a superhero, and she's asking Batman for advice, even though she knows that the more she uses her powers, the more it will kill her, because that's what killed her brother. And mm-hmm. it's funny... Batman kind of reflects this idea where it's like, well, yeah, if I keep being a superhero, it's going to kill me too. It's going to kill all of us. Mm-hmm. Yep. And he's, he's right. Yeah, he absolutely is right. I'm like, huh, in a weird way, she is kind of the perfect parallel to Batman, and I didn't even think of it that way. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, it was an interesting issue. The whole idea of, you know, bringing some light and levity into Batman's life with a marriage it's kind of an interesting idea, and it's been so long since we've had a big, high-profile superhero marriage. I think the last one was, like, Deadpool, like, three years ago. Yeah, so it's going to be interesting, and it's going to be interesting in the fact that just to see, like, what will happen to that. Because in the past, when if, if it's been just, like, a one-off story, saying when Batman's married, it's kind of ended in tragedy. Yeah, they either die, go crazy, or try and kill him, or any uh, combination therein of... Yeah, I like to imagine Selena because they don't say if she says yes or not. They leave it on a bit of a cliffhanger. I would love it if she's like, and th- thus began my greatest heist ever: marry Batman without a prenup, then divorce him and take half his shit. <laughs> this is all her plan, I'm right t- from the beginning when she stole that diamond. <laughs> I'm taking half your money. I'm taking half your cave. I'm taking half your utility belt, and I get weekends with all the sidekicks. <laughs> yeah, Robin lives with me now. Oh, that. <laughs> would be so funny damien you're not my real mom selena then he slams the door and cranks lincoln park <laughs> but then of course you know selena would take no shits like boy you're going over my knee right now <laughs> your bat daddy might not hit you but i will i'll hit you with this whip actually <laughs> i have it's just for hitting children <laughs> that'd be a funny story too if Damien's like no I actually like living with cat mom better she lets me stay up till midnight and she lets me hurt whoever I want to (laughs) hurt not like you fuddy duddy bat dad (laughs) and you gotta wonder too like Batman clearly didn't tell Alfred about this he clearly didn't tell any of his other friends about this and you gotta imagine when the word reaches like Superman or someone Superman will be like no no Bruce I will not be your best man at this wedding I cannot approve of this union (laughs) <laughs> to this I say no but then you get someone like Dick Grayson is like well technically I'm already dating a reformed super villainous in my book so it would be a little shitty if I said no to you on this one hey, ben, I got, I, you know I got a woman trying to pressure me into saying she, she has my child so I've got a l- little bit more to deal with than you Bruce <laughs> god damn it also if we get invited to this wedding she's gonna start thinking about it then I'm gonna feel pressured dick 
Thanks a lot, Bat Dad. Also, too, goddamn, imagine that wedding when people are coming in. It's like friend of the bride or friend of the groom. Because <laughs> you know, Catwoman's like, oh, well, I want to invite my friends, the Gotham City Sirens, so Harley Quinn and Poison Ivy and everyone else. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, I don't really want them at my wedding. You know, I've punched them a lot and they've punched me a lot. <laughs> oh, who would be Catwoman's maid of honor? It would have to be uh, Holly Robinson, right? The reformed hooker, occasional extra Catwoman who loves stabbing Batman in multiple continuities. <laughs> yeah, you cut my throat last time you saw me, bitch. Look, Holly can come to the wedding, but she doesn't get any knives, okay? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no cutlery, no cutlery for her. <laughs> At any table. No, none. That's my only rule. She can come, but no. <laughs> Furthermore, isn't Catwoman still wanted for a bunch of murders that Holly committed? They're going to have to cross that bridge at some point. Yeah, yeah, that whole thing where she 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 had like 300 murders or something. Yeah, something ridiculous. There's a there's a lot of a lot of things for them to overcome in this relationship, but isn't that true of all relationships? <laughs> yeah. And also, too, we're not going to get to know their answer for a couple months cuz after this it's war of jokes and riddles for like the rest of the summer. Mhm. Mm which is actually kind of a good idea to leave it on a cliffhanger and to not give people an answer. Yeah, definitely. It's going to keep people talking. Gives people a chance to think about it, too. Maybe Tom King will think twice about it when we come back. Hatton will be like, no, God, no. <laughs> what are you on? Are you high? No. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's even funnier because I'm sure if you played Catwoman's storyline in Injustice... Her storyline ends with them getting married, but her eventually getting bored and going back to crime... Yeah, yeah, just get, getting bored and say, yeah, I'll leave him. I'll steal all this shit and leave. Which I feel is pretty much how this is going to end anyway. Yeah, yeah. It's almost doomed to this. But hey, overall, it was pretty cool, though. Yeah, it was a pretty cool issue. Yeah, what uh, what else did you have happening, Matt? Uh, I had Superman issue 24. Yeah, this, this was my favorite of this arc so far, and that's saying something, because this has been a great arc with Manchester Black. It has been. We actually find out a little bit about like what he's been up to, kind of yes. since he he left Earth or was kicked off of Earth, and he's been he's been he's been basically playing a long con. Yeah, he's been he's basically being the Doctor, being like a dickbag version of Doctor Who, going to different planets, getting involved in alien wars and everything. <laughs> yeah, just saying he's gonna save them. Like he's the one like causing the wars, so he's like, oh, I can save you with just a, a click of my fingers. He's, a, he's basically being the devil on everyone's shoulders, whispering dark thoughts into their head, which is exactly what he's doing with John on Earth. Yeah, and exactly what he did with Katie and, and Mr. Cobb. That, uh, he, the exact same thing. I like the Katie and Cobb thing. I like that they were eventually good guys and saw the light, but it also really fucks up my theory. I thought Katie was actually uh, Manchester Black's niece. I thought she was related to Vera Black because she looked just like her and she had psychic powers like Manchester. Yeah, yeah, I kind of thought, like, yeah, maybe she was like that or, like, maybe even his daughter or something. Because their like powers someone were he, the he... same and she looked just like his sister. Yeah, but now she's just an alien immigrant All right. that kind of followed followed him and and the super elite. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. All right. Also, too, they never uh, they never gave us the answer what happened to Lois's leg after she basically got it hacked the fuck <laughs> off. No, no, she's just sort of resting in the hospital. This so I, I guess then it, it 
kind of means that it was an actual real thing. People were saying that it might be fake mm-hmm. and something that that Manchester Black like was just uh, showing John on that screen as something that was fake. But no, it, it seems to be pretty real. <laughs> it was it was pretty damn legit and pretty damn horrifying. Also, too, I get the feeling the writers of this comic are a big fan of Dragon Ball Super because we literally get Superboy Black and they call him that too. Yeah, yeah, he gets he gets um, corrupted by by the black goo. Which they have yet to give us the origin of the black goo. What the hell that's about? Yeah, it's, it's probably something from um, the ship that was under the under the city, like some byproduct of it or something. Right, Manchester Black's weird TARDIS thing, which they did explain the monsters that the monsters that have been attacking uh, attacking Hamilton County are basically coming through the portals that Manchester Black yeah. travels the universe from. Yeah, the quantum portal or whatever they're called. He's a really great villain because he's so pompous and he's so cool and so collected. He basically does the Kylo Ren thing where uh, Superman shoots his laser vision at him and Black just stops it and lights his smoke off it. I I love that part. I thought that was so cool. And the the cool thing about Manchester Black as well is that it's not just like the the reboot of the character. So he's he's young like he was in that true. What's the deal with truth, justice and the American Mm -hmm. way thing? He's older, so he's kind of he's kind of more seasoned and he's kind of upped his game a little bit. He's more smarter and everything. And he's got this big plan and he, he's kind of realized that, Oh, Superman's a lost cause, but his son mm. and go after his son. It's, it's funny. Cause obviously they do make reference to the fact that Manchester black and Superman have had this history because Superman recognizes him right away when he sees him, even mm-hmm. though he doesn't mention that he looks older nor did they really square the circle that Manchester Black, like, killed himself in 2002 in the last story, but everything was supposed to have been fused from Superman and his villains, but I guess they're ignoring that story now. Yeah, we, we might we might get a little bit more detail in it in the coming issues, but I, I don't know. They, they've probably changed those stories a little bit. Like, maybe he, he quote-unquote killed himself and right. made it look like he died or something. Right. Yeah, I'd be fine with that. That was actually a really good story from 2002. I forget what it was called, but it was basically like Manchester Black used his psychic powers to brainwash all of Superman's villains to attack him and his friends and family to try and wear him down for him and to, like, try and be like, oh, you know, kill me, kill me. And then he, like, put an illusion in Superman's head that Lois was dead, but, like, Superman still wouldn't kill him after all that. And when he's like, well, I guess you're truly 100% incorruptible then, then he gave himself an aneurysm and died. Uh, that story you're talking about is called Ending Battle, written yes. by Jeff Johns. Yes, 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 it was. Yeah, it's good. good story. That's a really good story. I, I always thought Manchester Black was a really underrated Superman villain. I'm glad to see he's getting his play again. Yeah, he's a really cool villain. Yeah, it's, uh, an- another super psychic. I wonder what would happen if Manchester Black met Blanche, because they basically have very similar powers. Yeah, yeah, that, that'd that be really interesting. I'd, I'd love it if they hated each other, like, hey, you bit my whole shit, asshole. That's my gimmick. <laughs> I do these things. You're, you're an albino version of me. Yeah, well, you're a soccer hooligan version of me. <laughs> there can be only one. Let's have a big stupid mind fight. <laughs> but yeah, this this one was really good. I really like this one. Yeah. Superman's been great. Uh what's another one I had? Uh oh, Secret Empire Brave New World came out. Yeah, I read this one as well. I think we were both kind of confused what this was when we looked at it. We're like, "Oh, cool, it's a new team book." No, it's not. It's the anthology book 
to a company's secret empire because that's another thing Marvel does for every event. They have to have an anthology book to go along with it. Yeah, it's an anthology book dealing with like lesser known characters or kind of lesser known characters. If if nothing else, it does try to answer some questions about like what was happening everywhere in the world when Hydra mm-hmm. took over. Mm-hmm. Yep. The the first and the longest one is all about Namor and the Invaders, which is kind of fitting because Captain America used to lead the Invaders. You have Shield agents and Inhumans and Atlanteans on it, and it's like, well, what happened to them? Yeah, yeah. I actually made a mistake in this part. I I called Toro Johnny Storm, and that was only because because he did team up with Jim Hammond and everything a while back, and that's that's what I was remembering. And he looked exactly like Johnny Storm. I mean, well, they're all human torches. They're all dudes who light on fire. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're all the same. Yeah, I mean, if you you've seen one man on fire, you've seen them all, man. Dude, I I love Jim Hammond, and I love his costume. It's such a shame they could never do anything with him. Yeah, he he. he get a, quite a bit of uh character development in that invaders series which was really great yes from robinson which in many ways this is taking on after yeah yeah uh what is it they they go to namor for help you know in fighting the secret empire and namor starts making excuses right fucking away oh yeah like right away like no i you know Couch is busy, you know, got to wash my hair, got to do all this. <laughs> got, got the cable guy coming over sometime between noon and eight, and, you know, someone's got to be home for him, so, you know. <laughs> Sorry, guys, can't help you ta- uh, topple this evil regime. And then it starts coming out to, like, well, I kind of have a non, uh, non-aggression non pact with Hydra. They don't fuck with me, and I don't fuck with them. And also, a religious sect of the people I lead believe that this Hydra thing will actually bring about the end of the surface so we can rise up and rule both. So, ooh, sorry. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see where, like, this exactly takes place since we saw in the most recent issue of Secret Empire, like, they're they're openly attacking Atlantis. That's my question. This had to have happened before is the thing, because obviously Cap attacks Atlantis anyway, blows up a religious temple, and essentially it's like, well, now you're fighting a war on two fronts. Yeah, yeah, so uh, it's going to be interesting to see, like, maybe if we get another issue with this and we see what happens to them after that, whether Namor is actually like, hey, you can be, you can stay here and we'll help you fight. Yeah, it'll it'll be a little uh, little awkward for Namor to be like, hey, Jim Toro, <laughs> remember I threw you guys in jail because I couldn't let you guys tell anyone my horrible secret that I'm basically being like Russia in like World War II or something <laughs> here, or even like France, you could argue I'm being some sort of shitty collaborator. But yeah, so hey, let's be the invaders again and let's fight. Yeah, <laughs> he he betrayed you, didn't he? Yes, yes, he did. Yeah, yeah. Remember that time when I threw you in like in like underwater Guantanamo? <laughs> that was just a prank. That was just a prank. <laughs> that was just pranks, bros. Uh, <laughs> apparently, the next Steve Rogers issue, the cover actually shows him fighting Namor. So who knows? Cool. I, I like Namor and Atlantis are actually pretty important to this event, as they should, because they're a powerful, sovereign nation within America's borders. Mm-hmm. Yep. So they would be pretty important. But yeah, that uh, that was a fun one. What uh, what else did you have? Or no, I guess we should talk about the other stories in it. Uh, there was a Giant Man mini, which I actually quite enjoyed, because I like that new mm-hmm. Giant Man, Raz. Yeah, yeah, I, I like that. He's kind of like a a, uh, a jobless superhero. <laughs> yeah, he's he's a slacker, which of course he would be because his mentor is fucking Scott Lang. <laughs> <laughs> 
Which, this even gives, like, a nice bit of ending to, like, what happened to Machine Smith and Grizzly at the end of Nick Spencer's Astonishing Ant-Man book. The deal is they couldn't make rent anymore, so they went to join Zemo's new crew, which means they're all probably trapped under the dome in New York right now. <laughs> I, I love that, like, how, how they're like, oh, yeah, we got a call from this guy who got a call from this guy who got a call from Zemo, and he needs a bunch of guys <laughs> to go help him out. I, I love that. <laughs> man, the supervillain life is hard, man. Work by referral. It's like, well, we got to take it, man. You <laughs> <laughs> he, he heard he needed some, like, guys in costumes to commit some crimes, and that's us. It's our gig, man. <laughs> I, I also loved uh, Raz's family, especially his dad. Who is like, you know, oh, I was in two wars to make sure my family could live here in America, and I ain't afraid of you lime green fascist fucks. Y'all can suck my dick. <laughs> and I'm like, that's cool. He's not giving an inch. I like this guy. And he also has two daughters, one goth and one sporty. Guess, guess which one I liked, Matt? <laughs> guess. Guess which one I liked. Oh, I think, I think it was the goth one. Ding, 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 ding. Matt wins the no prize, everybody, for knowing what Joel's into. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, that was a fun story. He got to save the day. It probably more than anything else read like a backdoor pilot for a new Giant Man book. It's like, hey, wouldn't you like to keep seeing what Raz does? And I'm like, yeah, actually, I would. I would if it was written by someone like Chip Zdarsky or even Nick Spencer. Yeah, absolutely. I don't. Again, that's another thing about these anthology books is that they're usually like testing grounds for writers you've never heard of. Yeah, yeah. Like, Paul Allure wrote the Namor one, and I've heard of him. He's wrote some, like, TMNT stuff, and, like, he's been around. But the other ones were written by guys, yeah, I've never heard of them. Mm-hmm. And then the last one was probably the shortest. It was a comedy Gwenpool story. She's been taken hostage by the Hydra News Organization, and they're forcing her to regurgitate their uh, propaganda. Yeah, I didn't read that one. Yeah, I skimmed through it myself. Yeah, it didn't seem it was very interesting or had any real precedence. It's well, it's like people tell me Gwenpool is good, and one day I intend to go back and like actually check out what it's all about. But it just seems kind of funny because they're like, "Hey, it's a fascist regime takeover of the United States. This seems like a great chance for wacky comedy." Nah, no, nah, not really. <laughs> no, it, it's kind of, kind of you know bleak, and you know they've got internment camps and people just being murdered because. You know, they might be inhuman. Yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of hard to make fun of at this point. I, I, I like to think you were going for, like, a Charlie Chaplin in The Great Dictator thing, but nah, nah, man, nah. <laughs> Just nah. Uh, what else did you have, Matt? Uh, well, speaking of new writers, I had Justice League issue 22, uh, which had a new writer, didn't have Brian Hitch doing art or, or drawing in the book. Oh, wow. uh, it had... The new, uh, the new writer was uh, Shia Fontana, who's going to be the new Wonder Woman writer after Greg Rucker That's leaves. That's right. Was this a special thing, or is like Hitch coming back, or what's the deal? Um, I'm not too sure. Yeah, he might be coming back next issue, um, which is kind of a shame, because these last couple of issues have been real shit. Um, yep, that's basically in a nutshell for me. This issue was a real... Um, refreshing take on the characters it, it's again like much like last week's trinity book it was a quarantine on the watchtower <laughs> man they really got a freaking work yeah they gotta get some hand sanitizer for the fucking watchtower <laughs> uh where all these like 
I'm just going to call them space ants because that's kind of <laughs> what they were. Uh, this were is how brought... you get space ants, people. <laughs> <laughs> they, they were brought back onto the station by the Green Lanterns after they destroyed a meteor that was threatening Earth. And um, they sort of have to lock down the, the whole thing and sort of search out for for them and that they, they don't end up being a villain or anything they're just sort of something that's out of it out of their comfort zone they're kind of scared of everything hmm. so so it it shows the justice league can fight things and not end up killing it or anything they end up just relocating it uh, but the cool thing about it is that it the book read sort of like a big family issue whereas uh lois and john were there oh. lois was cover doing a story on the justice league and she brought john and he's playing video games with with cyborg and all these people and everything and it, it was just like a big family they nice. were just a big family and then lois got involved lois actually beat batman and finding out what these alien creatures were uh and batman actually respects that that's so like, i'll make, make you a robin that that sounds really good, actually. That sounds like everything I want from the Justice League but aren't getting. Yeah, exactly. This is something that this Justice League book should be, but it hasn't been, which is a real shame. It's it's. I'm I'm looking here on the solicitations and stuff right now to actually see you know Shea Fontaine and if Hitch comes back the next issue, unless they haven't updated or anything. Apparently, uh, what is it? The actual official DC Comics website is wrong because it still says Hitch wrote this issue. Oh really? Yes. Oh god damn it! Not not giving her the goddamn respect she deserves because this is a damn good issue. Here's the thing: the DC Comics website actually does fuck stuff up. Actually, considerably, I don't know which which intern they got doing it, but <laughs> they've actually made quite a few mistakes here and there. They've gotten wrong covers. They've gotten wrong stuff. Okay, in fairness, I don't think it's actually the website's fault or the people making it. I think the shit changes so quickly they can't update it. Yeah, probably. Like, the shit changes on the fly to the point. Like, I know for, for Nightwing, which also came out this week, a bunch of the covers were wrong, but that was only because they actually changed what the story was supposed to be. Oh, okay. Yeah, crazy. Yeah. Uh, oh, hey, actually, speaking of Nightwing, because I brought it up, I might as well talk about Nightwing. Uh, yeah. yeah. It, was, it was good, Nightwing number 22. This was the return of Blockbuster, of course, a longtime Dick Grayson Nightwing Titans villain. Oh, okay then. But here's the twist, though. It's not Mark Desmond, the mad scientist who hulks up on his science juice and gets big and strong and gets like a fucking shovel face. This is his mm -hmm. brother, Roland Desmond, who was actually born in Bloodhaven and quite loves the community and is looked up to and respected. And unlike all the other versions of Blockbuster who get super dumb when they take the serum, uh, Roland actually regains his intelligence. Oh, cool. Yeah, and here's the thing, uh, Tiger Shark has taken over all the rackets in Bloodhaven, and you think, oh, well, he sent Blockbuster to go kill Nightwing. No, actually, he wants Nightwing's help to overthrow Tiger Shark. Oh, Jesus. And I'm like, wow, this is this is really cool, actually. Yeah. It's a, it's, it's a fun story. <laughs> they actually answer a question, because, like, Nightwing's looking for a job right now, because, you know, he can't volunteer anymore at the outreach center where he has been, and Tim Seeley makes fun of the fact that, like, Dick Grayson has probably had more jobs than just about any other superhero. <laughs> he's been a cop, he's been a bartender, he's been a museum curator, he's been a super spy, he's been a circus owner, he's been a circus kid. <laughs> And it's like, what's he going to do now? Well, he might be able to move some boxes or, you know, maybe he can be a bodyguard. There's a lot of things he can do. <laughs> 
but yeah, it's, it's it's a fun issue. It's a funny issue. They do a lot of interesting stuff in there. Uh, yeah, Night, Nightwing continues to be a winner. And oh, the, they explain how Nightwing's been able to work this long or been yeah. able to support himself this long without a job. And that is apparently he got a spiral severance that he's been living off. <laughs> And again, that's more than just a funny joke. Uh, that's a nice little uh, Easter egg drop because apparently in the next arc after this one, Dick is going to be fighting Spiral. Uh, they want that money back. <laughs> yeah, they want their damn money back. It's like, hey, 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 you've been using the company credit card. <laughs> you, you're going to pay back for all these cheeseburgers, Nightwinger? We're going to have to whoop your ass and take it from you. <laughs> well, I guess you'll have to whoop my ass then. <laughs> So yeah, that was a good one. Uh, what else did you have, Matt, as we continue to uh, run down the comics from the week? I had Green Arrow issue 24. Yes, I did too. Yeah, the finale of the Star City story. Yes, they took it into some kind of unexpected uh, places, wouldn't you agree? They did, yeah. yeah. They they kind of got a, a little bit uh, weird with it, with the whole that ritual thing under star under the um the queen industries building yeah it's like really so the cult was actually operating under here the whole time oh really green arrow's granddad robin queen who hilariously also wore a green hood wouldn't you know it mm, yeah <laughs> he, he actually founded the ninth circle cult and there's always been a queen in the ninth circle and i'm like oh okay he's building a dark past for uh for what is it for green arrow all right all right and then eventually, in the end, uh, to save the city, which has now become the first ever, like, corporately owned and run city, Green Arrow is forced to, like, come out of hiding again as Oliver Queen. Yeah, and he ends up getting arrested. Yeah, which, to a thing that I totally forgot about, I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, when they when they tried to kill him, they also killed his secretary and planted, like, a bunch of drugs on his boat. Yeah, yeah, they, like, sprinkled a little bit of crack on him and everything. Which everyone was all too ready to believe. Yep, yeah, yep, yeah, that's right. It's not his first drunken booze cruise where he hurt people, <laughs> Oliver yeah. Queen. He just had a total yeah. relapse. <laughs> and uh, Broderick, too, the guy who's been the villain this whole time, I was actually a little worried. I'm like, oh, no, did Green Arrow kill him? No, no, he just horribly burned him. <laughs> yeah, just just horribly, horribly scarred his whole body. Well, he was the leader of the burned men, and now he matches. Yeah, it's it's kind of poetry. It rhymes. It is poetry. It is rhymes. But yeah, that was that was fun, and we now officially have Star City back. Even though we got Star City back in one of the weirdest, most roundabout ways to ever bring a city back. It, it was it was pretty weird. But I, I'm intrigued to see what's going to happen now that Oliver's arrested. I know in like I think issue 25 and issue 26, he he finally gets to sort of interact with the rest of the DC universe since the Justice League arrive. Yes, and that storyline is called, fittingly, Hard Traveling Heroes. Yeah. <laughs> which is what they used to call the Green Arrow, Green Lantern team-ups, and apparently every issue in this new arc will see him team up with a different hero. Yeah, yeah, I saw some of the IE teams up with Flash and, and Wonder Woman, and Stephen Byrne is doing some of the art, so it oh, looks amazing. Oh, it looks so good. Like, every one of these, I'm like, I want that poster, I want that poster on my wall, I want all of these, <laughs> and I want Stephen Byrne to sign them. But yeah, Green Arrow, it's a goddamn good time for Green Arrow, isn't it? It is, it is. These these stories are good, Benjamin Percy's killing it. Actually, something funny about Percy on his Twitter, uh, he said there, uh, it's like, you know how many times DC Comics has asked me to make the comic uh, more like the Arrow TV show in brackets, which I don't watch zero times. Take that, internet conspiracy theorist. And I'm like, oh, well, I guess that means me too, huh? 
<laughs> I I almost wrote him and said, I'm like, oh yeah, I think I'm kind of to blame on this one. I say that all the time. <laughs> but you got to admit it's a little similar, though. Although that being said, the similarities have definitely been downplayed recently because Malcolm, never been Malcolm Merlin before, is out of the book, and so is uh, Diggle. Yeah, Diggle just kind of like disappeared. <laughs> he comes and goes, doesn't he? Although maybe that's the best way for him. Yeah, yeah. To just come and go when the story needs him or doesn't need <laughs> him. <laughs> but yeah, so G- Green Arrow was good. We both enjoyed Green Arrow. Uh, what else was this week? Um, ooh, uh, Daredevil number 22. Was it 22 or 21? I, I, I have no idea. I don't read that book. So. Uh, okay, Daredevil number 21. This was basically the beginning of The Defenders. Mm-hmm. Daredevil is enacting his plan to end all organized crime in New York, and to do that, he needs to get a completely good, clean collar of this weird, like, militia with a bunch of guns trying to blow up City Hall, but, uh, what is it, his boss says, look, you gotta do this, but Daredevil himself can't be involved, and Daredevil's like, oh, well, I'm glad I got friends then, so he calls in Echo and Luke Cage to come and help him get these guys. Huh, okay then. And it's funny because, like, Daredevil, he swore, okay, I swore I would never put my hands on them, but one of Echo's powers is, is she can recreate any fighting move she sees, so he does, like, all this shadow boxing, and then Echo takes that and beats guys up with it. <laughs> <laughs> I technically didn't touch him. <laughs> I technically didn't touch him. And it eventually gets to the point where it's like, okay, well, what the hell is his big plan to take down crime in New York? And the big ending stinger is Daredevil in his original red costume takes the stand at these guys' trial. Oh, wow. Which, technically, in the Marvel Universe isn't absolutely unheard of. In fact, I can remember multiple stories wherein superheroes have actually taken the stand in their costumes, and that's because, and I'm getting really fucking nerdy here, there is apparently another amendment in the Marvel Universe's constitution that means superheroes (laughs) can't actually defend themselves in court. (laughs) <laughs> and like apparently they even have technology too to make sure you're not like an lmd or a scroller shit that you actually are who you say you are that would make sense yeah and because the avengers have a bunch of dna on file they can cross-reference you from that yeah which is kind of scary too because why, why do the avengers have a bunch of dna on file uh clones <laughs> yeah clones there look look do, do, do you want to be replaced by a clone do you want to be replaced by a scroll shit happens man <laughs> I mean, this Daredevil sounds a lot smarter than he was in, in the, the recent Doctor Strange book. Yeah, yeah, Charles Soule writes a very intelligent Daredevil, but then again, Charles Soule was a lawyer before he became a comic writer, so there you go. They, it fits perfectly. I don't know what Dennis Hopeless was before he became a comic writer. Uh, well, he wasn't anything what Daredevil was in that book. <laughs> yeah, D- Dennis Hopeless's writing is very, like, hot and cold for me. Yeah, he, he does all right with, um... Uh, the Jean Grey book. I, I like the Jean Grey book. Oh, he does that? Well, I think he gives more of a shit about Jean Grey than he does Daredevil. <laughs> yeah, I suppose, I suppose so, yeah. Like, that's the thing. Like, hope, hope, you can tell when Hopeless gives a shit about things. <laughs> also, he has a re- really unfortunate name for writing when it's like, oh, I didn't like this book. It wasn't great. Oh, you could say it was Hopeless, huh? <laughs> it's like calling your movie super bad or something. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, that was, uh, that was Daredevil. Daredevil was good. Do, do you have many more? I don't have many more. Uh, I got a couple more. Okay, I think you and I read a few of the more. Avengers was one I know you and I both read. Yeah, I actually put my review up for that not too long ago. I'm probably putting mine up tonight. <laughs> 
It's pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah, they dig out like an old 60s Avengers villain, Avenger X, and make them fight the, uh, the new team. Yeah, well, well, fights like like a generous word. She she wiped the floor with them. She beats all of them, and she does it by being overly sympathetic. She starts crying to Spider Man, and's like, "Okay, <laughs> I feel bad for you." Ha ha, gotcha. Yeah, she even takes down Thor. She do- okay. You know what's great about that Thor fight? And I'm gonna mention this. I don't know if you mentioned this in the fight. Avenger X ends up knocking off Jane's helmet, mm-hmm. and we see what she looks like under the helmet, which I don't think they've done in anything else. No, I, I think that that was kind of like the first time we've seen her without her helmet on as, as Thor. Yes, it's true because like the whole thing about the helmet is obviously when the character was first introduced, it was supposed to be a mystery thing mm-hmm. about who she was. So obviously she needed to wear a helmet. It kind of blew me away because I'm like, okay, well, with the helmet off then, does that mean she just looks like Jane with long blonde hair? Or does she have like a new Asgardian face? Yeah, that, that, that I never kind of really thought about it because I haven't actually been reading her Thor book. But yeah, like, like what's stopping her from like just still being Thor, but like removing the helmet and maybe the costume and just wearing like normal clothes and and st- not being you know cancer Jane. It's true. I know it opens up a hell of a lot of questions, and I'm sure somewhere Jason Aaron is pulling on his beard, being like, "God damn it, Mark, I wanted to do that." <laughs> or "God damn it, Mark, you're not supposed to take the helmet off because people start asking these questions." I guess it makes sense because only Nadia saw her with the helmet off. And Nadia never met Jane Foster, so she doesn't know what Jane Foster is supposed to look like. That's true, that's true, yeah. If anyone else had seen it, I'm pretty sure Spider-Man has seen Jane Foster, and I know Sam Wilson, Captain America, has seen Jane Foster. Yeah, so, yeah. And I I think, like, the next issue is about Thor, so maybe they might talk about that a little bit. Well, it's the Secret Empire tie-in. Yeah, yeah, so maybe they might talk about it. Yeah, I, I like this like kind of cool bromance thing they're building between Nadia and Doctor Doom. Yeah, that's really cool. I like that Doom sort of respects her because she she's super smart and he sees that like with the whole microverse thing. She knew he knew about the microverse and the whole shield thing and everything, and she used that to her advantage. And he was really impressed by it's, that. It's not just that she's a genius; she's a genius and she's kind of devious too. That's true, yeah. She, yeah. She'll do the crazy dark shit that, like, the other Ant-Man and giant men wouldn't do, and Doom's like, oh, I'd have done that too. <laughs> good good job. You're, you're all right. <laughs> in fact, I like the way Mark Wade writes Nadia Pym so much in this. I'm like, shit, I didn't want to read her solo book, but after these last two issues have focused on her, fuck, I want to go read her solo book now. Does he write her solo book? No, he does not, actually. It's someone different. Uh, okay, then. But I'm kind of like, yeah, I kind of want to give this a look over now. She seems all right. She seems yeah. like a pretty good addition to the ever-growing Ant-Man, Giant-Man, Pym family. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But yeah, that uh, that one was definitely a cool, cool issue. Uh, what else did you have, Matt? Uh, I had the new Darth Vader book. Ah, I read this one too. Yeah, from Charles Soule, and it, it, it confused a lot of people because it's just oh, called Darth Vader Issue 1, whereas originally in, I think, the solicitation, they called it, like, Darth Vader, Dark Lord of the Sith Issue 1 or something, yes. but it's not not called that, it's just called Darth Vader. <laughs> yeah, just to, just to mess with you a little bit. 
Yeah, but it, this was a really interesting issue. It's going to be delving into his, his first days in the Darth Vader suit, as well as making his own lightsaber and, and the stuff that goes into that with all the Sith magic and the bleeding of the, the kyber crystals. And it was pretty cool, pretty cool. Yeah, he was uh he was definitely more uh what's the word? He was more Anakin than he was Vader in this story. Oh yeah, definitely. And it, it kind of makes sense as well since again it's these last first days in the suit. How did you like it that this comic literally opened on the no <laughs> they made it better because they showed you why he was saying that <laughs> yeah they actually let you see what happens a few minutes after now now that stuff that palpatine was saying because i said this on the pull and i wasn't sure people were yelling at me for getting something wrong but i don't know what i got wrong <laughs> the bit about the whole you know kyber crystals being made to bleed because the sith put their like anger and aggression into it and everything was that canon before or was this new shit they're making up I think that's kind of like new stuff within like Clone Wars and Rebels and whatnot. Because before the Sith didn't have the crystals, the Sith crystals were synthetic crystals, and that's why they were red. They they weren't able to make anything else. That they they'll make red because they were synthetic and not perfect. Right. And this new sort of canon stuff means that they're actual kyber crystals from a jedi and when you kill a jedi and take his crystal and, and imbue it with dark side it sort of shatters the crystal and turns it into a sith crystal right. giving off that that red makes it bleed yeah. gives it off that red that red blade which goddamn the sith are so edgy even their crystals are bleeding <laughs> It, uh, I, I think people were yelling at me because they thought I was saying that kyber crystals hadn't been seen in anything before. Yes, I know, kyber crystals are from Splinters of the Mind Eye, or at least one is before they recycled the word. Yeah, yeah. Which is very Star Wars, isn't it? Hey, let's take this fun word and idea and let's recycle it up. Oh, they do that all the time. <laughs> yeah, just just to make it super confusing. But yeah, I, I liked that book too. The The art style was very interesting. It had a good sense of motion. Yeah, I think it was one of the artists. I think Chelsea brought over one of his artists from Uncanny and Humans. Right. Yeah, I looked for. I'd have to look, like look back at who does the art for it, but um, I'm pretty sure it was someone who did like art for Uncanny and Humans because it looked really familiar. Right. Yeah, I, I dug this one. I I I, I kind of can't keep up with Star Wars with all the other books, but I can say that everything I have read from Star Wars, I've quite enjoyed. Oh, it's all been great. I uh, I was in like a cool waiting room uh, out in Victoria, and they actually had some comics in like the waiting room thing. And guess what? One of the waiting room books was because it actually pertains to Star Wars. What was that? It was one of Ostrander's Agent of the Empire books. Oh, oh, that's a good series. It is good. I'm like, yo, dude, John Cross is the fucking man. Yeah, that's a really good series. <laughs> he's, he's like goddamn Space 007. He's shooting people in the knees and having sex with alien women. This is awesome. <laughs> How have I never read this shit before? Well, they, they made like two miniseries to this guy. This guy's great. Yeah, yeah. He, he. I hope, I hope they, they do something like that in this new news canon. Give, give more like spies some books and everything. I'd like to see some spy books in well, Star hey, Wars you know, again. Once, once Rebels done and they need to do something set in like the later on future, maybe it's time for an Agent of the Empire uh, series, like a cartoon. Like, wouldn't that be something you follow around an Imperial agent who's kind of, you know, has his own code and his own morality, and you might not totally love what they do. That'd be pretty cool. But he gets the job done anyway. I think that would be really awesome. Make it like a cop procedural, but in the Empire. Yeah, that'd be cool. 
Yeah, I'd be all about that. So, uh, all right. I had one last book, and that was Deathstroke number 20. This was the big fallout to Lazarus' contract. And honestly, it felt like this was everything that Christopher Priest wanted to get to, to get to this moment. Yeah, I, I read this one as well. Oh, did you? Okay, that's cool. So, yeah. After seeing the Speed Force, uh, Slade Wilson has a religious awakening, and he starts quoting the Bible to everybody. Yeah, he's like, what, what, what does a man do after f- f- seeing the face of God and living to tell about it? Yeah. And I'm like, ooh, I hate to spoil this for you there, Slade, but we know who God is in the DC Universe. He's big, he's blue, and he doesn't wear pants. Yeah, and if you saw his face, he'd melt your face. He would literally <laughs> melt you to death. I'm not saying you didn't have an awesome experience, I'm just saying... You didn't have the right one. <laughs> I, I love this idea of Deathstroke being like one of those cons who goes to prison and finds Jesus. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I just imagine Deathstroke walking around, I'm good with the Lord now. <laughs> he's even wearing a white suit, which is great, and yeah. a white eye patch. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's, he's completely like ditched all, the, all these other suits and eye patches and just, I'm going to wear white now because I'm good. <laughs> I was reminded of Cartman in that Christmas episode where it's like, no, look, that's not being good. You're just wearing a nice sweater. (laughs) That's not what being good is. I don't know the difference. Yeah, I know you don't. (laughs) Christopher Priest was actually chalking this book up like he was actually really pleasantly surprised that DC was allowed to let him talk so much about religion and Christianity, which I guess he feels very strongly about in real life. Mm-hmm. They even they even touch on birth control in this, which was the last comic you can think of that actually touched on birth control. Yeah, yeah. Kind I, I can't 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 really think of one. He he definitely has a, t- a soft spot for Tanya Spears, Power Girl, and I, I like like Deathstroke basically just browbeats her into joining his team. Where it's like, look, you're a hero with borrowed powers and a borrowed name. You're like one third a superhero. What what could you possibly lose coming to join <laughs> my team? Yeah, come join my Dark Titans, or whatever he's going to call them. Yeah, well, hey, there there used to be a Dark Titans book with Deathstroke on it, so it's funny that they're kind of recycling the thing. But even though they call them the Dark Titans, they actually seem to be good, so far at least. Yeah, Yeah, so far. And we we also got the return of Dr. Icon. Yes, who is a bad guy now and a monster. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, and he's kind of like just walking around, talking about how he's got to get revenge. It's funny, too, he's Canadian. I love that, that they make sure to stress that he's a Canadian villain. <laughs> Dr. Icon, the meanest Canadian you've ever met. <laughs> you know what would be great if this story ended up that Slade isn't actually a good guy anymore? This is all part of some big, long con, and he's been lying about finding Jesus and everything. Because <laughs> even though he's still being super pushy about it, like I talked how he got Tanya on the team, that's basically like some pimp abusive boyfriend logic there. Like, look, girl, you ain't shit without me, girl. You, you <laughs> minus me equals shit. You fat and disgusting. Now give me the keys to your car. <laughs> I would love it. That's his thing, and they all hate him even more. That like building this team is part of some stupid long con of his. <laughs> it's some stupid con just to fuck over his family again. Yeah, really. <laughs> Haha, I did it. Although he's even doing stuff like "I love you, son." He's like, "Whoa, didn't think I'd hear that." <laughs> did you? Did, do you have a brain tumor or something? <laughs> did you get hit really, really hard? Oh, his, his son who uh, is actually going to like counseling for his oxycontin addiction. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this like this was like you know on TV they have like on a very special episode of this was totally on a very special issue of Deathstroke. Mm-hmm. We talk about birth control and pills and God and everything. 
It uh, it is kind of funny though in a comic like this to like have Deathstroke be like, yeah, I'm totally into the Judeo Christian God. It's like, dude, have you not met like demi goddesses and like haven't you seen like some crazy shit and you still and you still really really. <laughs> It's like you you fought the Justice League, right? You know aliens and gods of other pantheons exist, right? <laughs> I, I, I could only think of that scene in Paul where, like, uh, the Seth Rogen alien's like, no, 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 my existence only uh, precludes the existence of the traditional Judeo-Christian God. <laughs> not saying God doesn't exist, just saying maybe it's not this one. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, it was it was enjoyable enough, even if I did feel like all of Lazarus' contract was just to get to this moment. Yeah, yeah, it did feel like that. Like it was just sort of like a um a, a Deathstroke event just to get him to this point where he's wearing white suits and making a new team. Yeah, and talking about Jesus coming to your door. Now, if that guy comes to your door and says, "Do you have some time to talk about the Lord?" You're gonna listen to him. <laughs> I love that. That's just his team. Okay, what are we doing, Destro? Are we going to train? Are we going to are we going to go fight some bad guys? No, we're going we're going door knocking and telling people about the good Lord. <laughs> and if they give you any mouth, slap them for Jesus. <laughs> that's what I like. Like militant Christian Deathstroke. Now, just getting, no. He wants people to buy a bunch of Bibles. That's his thing. He's got a new Bible scam. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he becomes like one of those Westboro Baptist Church doomsday preppers. Oh, yeah. Oh, he gets like... Pips, some... You're getting funerals of soldiers and whatnot. Well, it would be superheroes that he's mad at. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. He gets like some TV time on like public access and he starts doing like Billy Graham, like TV uh, evangelicalism there. Where it's like, and the Lord loves you, but you better, but you better be afraid or else I'm going to suck you in the jaw. <laughs> <laughs> the God, the Lord took my eye from me, and so help me God, I will take the eye from every sinner in this room, and you will know my name is Slade Wilson. <laughs> like, like, or like, you know, like one of those ex-con preachers was like, I was a super villain assassin for twenty years, and you know what I found at the at the barrel of that kryptonite laced gun, nothing. But then I found the Lord. <laughs> So what we're saying is this new arc will be great regardless. <laughs> There's a million places they can take this and it'll be great. Yeah, it'll be amazing. <laughs> no matter what he does, it'll be great. So did you have any more books, Matt, or was that the last one for you too? Uh, yeah, that's the last one. I've still got a couple to read. <laughs> yeah, yeah, same here, actually. I'm kind of dragging ass with everything that's going on this week. So there you have it, everyone. We hope you liked this episode. We hope you enjoyed our 60th episode we hope it lived up to all the expectations and it's everything you've come to expect from us oh we we hope yeah we hope we really help you killed this hour in some change yeah any uh any housekeeping matt before we leave uh not really i of course um people can expect maybe videos from me to be a little bit sparse over the next two weeks since i'm going away mm -hmm. uh but there i do have videos scheduled i've got like the superman and media me and joel did nice. for next week uh i got a really cool video about grant morrison uh the week after and uh, as well as like some reviews there's some big books coming out this this coming week we uh we also recorded a special commentary track patrons already got it and already know what it is but basically this time next wednesday uh matt will be gone but you can listen to our logan commentary so here's hoping no big news stories drop from here until now <laughs> yeah and it was probably one of our best 
commentaries ever as well. It, it really was. I think we were firing on all cylinders in that because it was a long movie, but we stayed fun and entertaining for over two hours. Yeah. Also, hey, pluggy pluggy for our new uh, comic multiverse T Public store. I'll be sure to link that down in the description. But you can get a ton of great designs. You can get my little Cape Joel character. Matt got his Fortress of Solitude uh, design put up today. So if you hurry, you can still get that while it's fourteen bucks. Awesome. We've also got a Discord running yeah. as well, and uh, in my videos, you can find like a link on the below and I, I imagine joel put one up somewhere but yeah we're, we're going to start probably doing a little bit more about that because we haven't really done a lot with it at the moment no. we're still sort of figuring out how to use it actually no and thank you all the fans from the weekly poll discord who came over because i know it's a lot <laughs> of the same man those guys are fucking on top of things mopey and everyone else they're like boom they made something let's do something with it <laughs> thank you for essentially being our street team and making this shit happen we appreciate it yeah, they uh, they actually wanted me to come on today and watch E three with them, which I would have, but I was out of the house and I was watching shit on my phone. But uh, all the same, everyone, that'll just bring this episode to a close. Just closing it down, closing it down very slowly, very sensually. Yes, everyone, <laughs> that has been the show for this week. We hope you enjoyed it. As always, you can follow Matt on Twitter. You can follow me on Twitter at Cape Joel. Keep up to date on everything we got coming down the pipeline. As always, if you're a patron, you'll get to listen to this first as soon as we're done for everyone else Wednesday at 8. And yeah, we'll, we'll see you again next time, everyone. Same comic multiverse time, same comic multiverse place. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.